All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for showing up for the podcast and set. My guest this week is, of course, Mr. Brandon Sorenberger. Hi. How are you? So, Brandon. Yes, Miles. It's funny. You and I haven't probably talked in about maybe five years. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while, but I've known you for probably about, say, 10, 12 years. Yeah. I I met you, I think, in 2004. Yeah, so 12 years now, yeah. 12 years. Uh, and as I remember, because you came here, oh, you came out of Chicago. I did, yeah. Uh, is that where you're originally from? No, I'm from upstate New York, Albany. Albany? Yeah, Gilderland, if we're going to be very specific, which I feel like we should be. Is that the name of the town? That's the name of the town, Gilderland, yeah. Gilderland, all right, I have, I have no reference to, to that. Nobody would. Uh were you doing anything up? Were you doing any like comedy up there before you moved? Uh, I, I started improvising. I went to Hamilton College, uh, so I started to improvise there. And then after I graduated, I moved to New York City and then started to improvise at a place called the Grown Ups Playground, the the wildly renowned theater Grown Ups Playground. Grown Ups Playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. still, still around. I don't know. I, I'm gonna guess no. Uh, it was at the New York Comedy Club, and it was like a bringer improv show. So you had to like bring people. It was ten dollars buy two. It was uh, shockingly not a great business model. All right. Did, yeah. Did you have a, was there a good teacher there? No, we didn't no. even teach. You just improvised to. Oh, okay. to you just went up and fucked her up. You just, you auditioned to be in this group led by some woman who was like in early Woody Allen films. And then I guess she was like, well, my career has gone nowhere. Woody's not using me. I'm going to start an improv theater. All right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so when did you decide enough of that? <laughs> uh, well, I decided enough of that uh, after September 11th. Uh, I was... That's, that's, for some reason, that seems wildly appropriate. Yeah, it was wildly appropriate. To this story. Um, uh, yeah, after after 9-11, I was still there, and I was like, I think I'm ready to leave. And then, I don't know if anybody remembers, if you're probably too young, but there was another plane crash in New York that November, and it wasn't terrorism-related, but after that, I was like, I'm getting the fuck out. So uh, my sister lived in Boston, so I moved to Boston to... I Yes, yes, Boston. Uh, Boston in the house. Um uh, I was supposed to go to grad school, get my PhD in neuroscience. So I was going to go to to Boston to kind of settle myself, and then I started to improvise at a place called Improv Asylum. There. Wait a minute, your PhD in neuroscience? Yeah, I was a, a pre med philosophy major in college, so I was going to go to NYU to get my PhD in neuroscience. So I deferred on your way to being a doctor. I mean, uh, 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 yeah, not a. I was going to be in a lab and study consciousness. I wanted to work. Okay. Yeah, I, I wanted to study the root of consciousness, uh, but. I gave myself two years to make it as an actor, that normal amount of time. Uh, so I deferred my going in. And then after September 11th, I thought, well, I'll go to Boston. I'll go to a school there to get my PhD. And then I started to improvise somewhere. And that was uh, that was 14 years ago. So it's been a little probably not going back to did get that get degree. I never did. I never did go. Improv has taken so many scientists from the community. <laughs> it really has. <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> The real brain drain in this country is, yeah. People but that's fascinating. You're an, I'm sorry, you were a neuros... Was it again? I was a pre-med philosophy major. Pre-med philosophy major, you're going after your PhD in neuroscience. Yes. And you said you were seeking to... The, the, you were looking to examine the... The root of consciousness, the nature of consciousness I was fascinated with. So this is, that's a combination of philosophy and... Exactly, yeah. Uh, neuroscience. What did you hope to fire? What, what do you, did you suspect? Did you, did you have any early theories about what it might be? No, I, the idea, and it's still, it's considered the hard problem of uh, philosophy and neuroscience, whether or not discovering the actual nature of what it is, what consciousness is, um, it's considered possibly an unsolvable problem. Uh, and it's been discussed since the beginning of kind of uh, when we became sentient. So I, uh, it, it, it interested me. So I thought I would pursue it. But I did. I had no theories. No, that that fascinates me as well because as I've uh, grown older as an improviser and as I, you know as you keep changing and evolving with it, I've come to look at. Uh, I like I, I I tell my students I, I can't help but feel that like our brain is like, that's everything we know, but we're this thing that's aware of our brain. Yes, where does that thing exist? Right, where does yeah, that thing and exist? The Greeks would assume it was this thing beyond the thing, this homunculus that was called, that, could, that viewed it, and that 
getting away from that issue of how do I know that I'm me that was me yesterday that was me 20 years ago how does that there, literally every cell in my body has been replaced everyone up, up, up to this point or from that point uh, that it, that's such a confounding issue and when you're in your 20s and you don't have any other issues to worry about like paying a mortgage or you know how you're going to keep your marriage happy you can really <laughs> that seems like a much more pressing issue now I don't really care as much <laughs> Oh, I, I, I still think about that actually, actually quite a bit. Just, just because to me, it sounds like a hippie thing to say to students. And I, I don't like to say hippie things to students. Mm-hmm. Nothing against hippies except fuck you hippies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man, uh, that you really alienated the, the, the hippie demographic here. Demographic. Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm basically the idea of the, like, because things that like amaze me in regards to that are like when, when your brain, like especially in, in, in regards to improv, when your brain offers you something that you didn't consciously ask it for yeah it just offers you something it's like what the, where the hell did that come from uh and so it's like because the way i tend to think of it is like well our brain knows everything we know as best as it was able to physically store it yeah uh and then our consciousness can search that in very small you know slow in a very slow process mm-hmm. but the brain the way it works seems to be it's like you you, you stimulate it it fires across everything and gives you an answer. Yes. Uh, and I think that the way we screw it up mostly on stage is not listening to that answer. Because yeah, to me, like the, I've, to, I, I've had the experience, which again, I find related to what you were studying, uh, where your brain offers you something and you just go with it, even though you, you know, what the fuck was that? All right, fine. So you go with it. And then like a split second later, you're like, oh, right. Like good connection, brain. Yeah. It's like, I didn't see it yet. But the brain was there ahead of me. Yeah. Uh, and all, all I had to do was accept it, which makes me feel that's the sort of hippie thing. It's like, where well, I'm this separate thing. Like, uh, it just reminds me of that the old Harry Chapin line uh, I've got something inside me, not what my life's about. Uh, Elaborate, Harry. That's, you know, Harry Chapin is like, like it's a sort of a common feeling that I think every human being would probably have that, like, you know, there's something in me that's not what my life's about. That's yes. not. Uh, you know, it's again. It goes back to like, who, what is the soul? What is the consciousness? Yeah. I think a lot of people say your conscious, your consciousness is your soul. Yes, but I, uh, if you're a strict materialist, that I, I would love for there to be a soul, uh, and it really makes it easier to sleep at night. But I just can't imagine where this ethereal thing would exist. And I think that's where all of my desire to study it was. I think a lot of people enter this. It's uh, you're, this terrifying – when you realize your mortality, then you're like, well, maybe I can solve the problem. And maybe I can figure out actually that there is a soul and it's okay and that you're not this blip of uh, accidentally coagulated carbon, oxygen, nitrogen. Right. But I don't know if I, I believe that. Do do you find because I'm not a of like a a true believer in any sort of like the like the the Christian or to me the the Catholic heaven like an, an old yeah. guy with a white beard up in the clouds uh, that just seems ridiculous yeah but uh, as far as I don't think religion or you know if you call it spirituality is limited to that because one of the things that I find comforting is just the idea that to my knowledge nothing ceases to exist. Yes. Uh, everything in the physical world transforms one way or the other. Uh, and so I, I just find that incredibly comforting because why wouldn't, you know, who knows, but why wouldn't the, the same rule apply to the abstract world, the abstract universe? I, I hear you, but I th- when, when that's said, I feel like all, all that it comes up is, yes, well, uh, my atoms may continue to exist. There's not much solace in thinking, well, when I die, I might become a Douglas fir. No, but that's not what I'm saying. That's not, well, I, you know, of, of course, because when, when we die, we will likely become Douglas firs. Uh, <laughs> we all do. We all do. Uh, but I'm saying, like, abstractions like uh, our identity, mm-hmm. right? I, I, you know, I believe that there, there is an abstract... Uh, universe uh, and to me it's like because those things certainly exist what things uh, things like our identity now we could the philosophy major in you could argue the shit out of that like mm-hmm. well, prove that prove your identity exists <laughs> uh, but I think any one of us in sort of a common sense layman's mm-hmm. way would say well 
it it exists because I'm aware I'm aware of it. Uh, it's 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 me. It's uh, so there's this thing that is us that exists, which is abstract. Uh, this the self you're saying like the right the self. Uh, so why wouldn't that also transform? Uh, I'm just saying I, I certainly can't prove that, but to me, since everything else in the universe transforms, why wouldn't things in the abstract universe transform? Uh, I, God, I hope so. I guess is my only response that I can say, but I feel like the onus is on the person who says that the, the person, the two, the, the, I have so many issues. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it comes down to whether or not you're a strict materialist because to believe that there's an abstract universe seems to say there's something beyond the material. And that to me, uh, I, I don't know. Then, then it has to be on you to show me where. Well, to me, it's like that's as a strict materialist, if I understand what, what, what you're saying, I can't show you the physical manifestation of an abstraction. Uh, but do you have thoughts? Yes. Do they exist? Uh, in the sense of uh, great question. Uh, do they exist? Uh, there is some sort of neural activity that is occurring. Sure. And I perceive that as a thought, I guess. Does the thought exist? Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the right. firing existed. Maybe it's like a, a larger abstraction, like, uh, like math. Yes. Does math exist? Um, in in the, do, do, are you saying do the universal laws of math exist? I would say, well if I, I I'm not exactly sure because I mean I don't have this worked out. Yeah, it's just as I think about it, it's just like well math exists. That's an abstraction. I think math right? works. I don't know. I think it's functionally useful. I don't know, but once it's outside, I mean, it's, it just seems to be universally true, so it exists outside of where. Me. But where is math? Like, you and I get in our car, where are we going? You, like, it's everywhere. But then, it, now, so omnipresent. It's sort now. of like dark matter, which is everywhere in the, which is everywhere in the universe in order for all of our physics to be, to be explained, yeah, but even no dark, one can see it or measure it. But it's still, it's a thing. It's a thing. No, it's a thing no one has ever measured in any tangible way. But I feel like it'll be, uh, I feel like it will be um, proven at some point that we, we were calling it dark matter. Here's what it really is. Much like we were calling, like, there's something that's affecting the, the orbit of Uranus. Uh, we don't know that Pluto exists, but we can, uh, you know, it's like Fermi's third. I don't know how far we want to go down this hole. No, okay, no, no. I, it's funny because I tend to think something kind of opposite. I tend to think that the, you know, the one, I'm a true believer in, of course, in, in science and, and you know, the, the scientific method and yeah. all that. Uh, but I believe at a, at a very high end, a lot of science is just going to get its head turned. Uh, and it completely flipped because I think we are arrogant uh, in proclaiming our understanding of a universe that we can't possibly, in any significant way, I believe, truly comprehend. Uh, and I think true scientists know that better than anyone. Uh, it's it's the people who interpret like a scientific finding who say it, this is now true. It's like and the scientist is like no, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say no. It's, it's pragmatically true. useful. It's not yeah, true. It's like yeah. it's not true. It's just like we're we're we think that might have been something that indicates something else might yeah. possibly be true, but we can't get there. Uh, yeah, this went way down. This, <laughs> this is this the nature hole. of all the podcasts? It's just gonna... yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's just me worrying about dying. Uh, well, uh, I, I think that's what we're all mostly doing. At some level, we all, it's funny because I have a father. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, my father is, I mean, he was, he's the closest to a true scientist that I've ever known. He was, he was a, he stopped just shy of getting his, his master's in nuclear physics uh, to raise a family. And he didn't want to raise a family in the middle of the desert. So he got a, a, a different job and, and provided for us. But he was he's such a scientist in every sense of the word. And I've also never known anyone who demonstrated more true faith, true religious faith. Mm -hmm. I've been to the funerals of like his family uh, beyond, you know, his children, uh, like his sisters and his parents and never a tear, always a smile. Because he, no, he believed now they're in a better place. 
He believed it to the point where it's like, why the hell would I be sad right now? This person, I believe, is in a better place. And that always, I was like, why? The person who I most respect scientifically also has the most faith I've ever seen demonstrated. Uh, and that's, I find that reassuring. And maybe that's just him being a wonderful father, saying, mm-hmm. like, no, no matter what. Uh, but I have no fear. It's funny because to me, the fear of death for me is more the fear of who I leave behind. Yeah. Uh, Cause I don't, you know, it's like if, if one, cause just, you know, logic says if you die, you will, however it works out, you won't know or care. Right. So there's nothing for you to worry about, but just the thought of, you know, s- someone you like not being able to talk to you or something like that. Yeah. And for me, of course, a child, my, my children, of course. Um, so it's, it's, it, it, that's what makes it real. It's like, to me, it's like the idea of not having some level of faith or belief in something and having a child is just unacceptable. I just, I could not. I agree. One of the biggest things that frustrates me is when I meet an atheist, a hardcore atheist who has kids. I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. Are you kidding me? So you chose, you knew that this was all a nihilistic bullshit adventure and you thought, I know, I'm going to force other people into this game. They're not even right. going to have a choice. <laughs> like, if you're an atheist, don't have kids. It's fine. Well, I think... Most of the time when you meet someone who's like a hard, because to me it's like just being a hardcore atheist is just like being a fucking hard right wing Christian sure. or something. It's like they're just, it's like, like, all right, well, prove he doesn't exist. Uh, you can't prove he does. You can't prove he doesn't. It's a, it's a, it's a dumb argument. I think it's a burden of proof question, I will say. But I think I will come back to that a lot. That uh, who, someone has to be the one who has to prove yes or no. Well, yeah, I, mean, I understand the idea that you can't prove a negative, like prove something doesn't yeah. exist. Uh, but it's, to me, in essence, it's, it's the same basic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and anyone calling the other stupid or an idiot is just wrong. It's, again, it's people probably, a lot of them taking science and uh, extrapolating in a way it's not intended to be extrapolated. It's, it's funny. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking of all the science documentaries I've watched and stuff like that. Whenever I've heard them bring up religion, more often than not, I believe, like the scientists have faith. It's like they no. wind up, because I think, you know, because uh, faith is, of course, it's a, it's a, it's a human thing, I believe. Uh, and I think it's something you arrive at, uh, probably in a more mature state of being, maybe a little older. Uh, but I, mean, I, think, I think a scientist like it exhausts, like, this is all I can know. I think there's part of it, but I, th- I would believe that just like everyone, a science, sci- regardless of your level of education, it's scary to think I won't, the concept of non-existence is terrifying. So I think faith is just in, in some sense, hope and which is necessary to some degree. So regardless of how much, you know, you still don't want to think why do, why will I not exist? Which brings me back. Part of why I'm so fascinated about consciousness is what value could there ever have been to a species knowing being self-aware that it's going to die. I look at my dog all the time and I think you're awesome for one particular thing. I could tell you're going to die a million times. No conception of it. My dog doesn't know that death is at its door. Uh, as far as we know. Nothing in the behavior. Right. I mean, I guess nothing. I mean, do, do, do you think the wildebeest approaching the river is unaware of its potential demise? Uh, I think it might. Uh, they I th- certainly act like they're afraid of what's of in course. the fucking river. Of course, but I think the idea of, f- of conceiving that, that wildebeest, I don't think the wildebeest approaching the river is the same as like a French soldier at Verdun jumping in out of the trench and watching machine gun fire. Like I think they, the, the soldier knows they're going to die. The wildebeest experiences fear. And I think right. those are different things. Right. Well, it's, 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 again, like, I mean, I agree that they're different, particularly as far as we are able to perceive the world. But at, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, a- animals demonstrate fear. They demonstrate like, you know, otherwise, why would prey flee? They do demonstrate fear. Here comes a buddy. But they do. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, I'm going to see if I'll taste But they don't dememonstrate things like saving for retirement. They don't demonstrate things. You know what I mean? So they must not have an awareness of it's so. I don't know, man. It's 
squirrels <laughs> sock them fucking nuts up in the tree, all man. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they stock up for winter. Uh but that can all you know that can also just be, you know, their uh what's the word? They're it's in their uh instinct, mm-hmm. you know, to to do these things. They're trained by their their parents to do these things. Uh yeah, and and that again becomes a whole nother do animals are animals conscious. What was I thinking? You're making me think of something else. Uh about what maybe what's what's comforting or non-comforting oh you you go back to like to me like that's why i have a problem with like all organized religion uh i think i think pretty much all organized religion is kind of horseshit um because like who's right there are so many different stories and so many similar stories to me if i go back to it, it makes sense to me at some point you know we evolved to the point where we looked at the what we could see as the universe and basically got to a place where, why am I here? Uh, and I'm going to die. We became aware of that. And that was so terrifying that we had to create something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I believe it was a, a, just a, a creation of man to say, Oh, there must be this. Uh, there must be a, a God. There must be something beyond this. Uh, and it took all kinds of different manifestations over the centuries of, you know, there's, there's, now there's multiple gods or there's three gods or wh- whatever it is. But it absolutely makes sense to me that we created that for our own comfort. Uh, and today, I don't, I don't think people, you know, sort of get rid of that enough just to look at, you know, try try to go back to this, the original question. Like, there, there are no, you know, say there are no known gods or religions and you're standing on this 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 marble and this in space, you know, why are you here? Maybe for no reason. What do you think is going to happen when you die? Like without thinking, well, there's a magic guy who's going to take care of me. It's just like, no, yeah. What else might you think? Uh, I don't know. It's because the organized religion is, is the, 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 and the corruption and the bastardization, uh, of what it, what might better be, uh, humanity's, spiritual self i i agree a mouthful with, of well, I, hippie I, shit I, just said. <laughs> I agree with what you're saying i guess my my, uh, my the condemnation of organized religion it's not that I, I disagree with it it's more that yes of course somebody attempted to monetize faith and they attempted to do it thousands of years ago and this is where where the result of it is but i think it was born out of the same question so much like you know the same questions you're speaking of people are trying to monetize that spirituality why do you think there's you know um Yoga camps for a week where you can't talk. It's the same same iteration of that camp sounds great. <laughs> I, would you want to go there? No. I have a I friend who just did that. It sounds awful to me. I don't want to be inside the hell of my own head for a week. <laughs> God. All right. So you're mm-hmm. in Boston. I'm in Boston. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yep. Oh yeah. I started doing Improv Asylum there, which is a uh, like a short form and sketch show. Um, we do a, a show in LA in 2003, and uh, it was at the IO Theater. It was the first uh, LA sketch fest or LA Improv Festival rather. Um, and I met Sharna, and Sharna saw the show, and she said, I, "I'd like. Uh, I think I can work with you. Come to Chicago." And I told my then girlfriend, I want to, now my wife, I made that sound wrong, um, uh, that I wanted to move to LA, but she didn't want to go that far. So instead we settled on Chicago and then I moved to Chicago to start at IO in 2004. In 2004. Well, you're not there for very long. I'm only, I'm there for three years. Yeah. Uh, And then I was performing pretty quickly and then I realized there wasn't a way I wanted to make my living doing that and there it's tough in Chicago to there's not a lot of I was shooting commercials but I'm sorry I'm I'm, I'm a stickler for for numbers you said you'd know me for 12 years and I believe we met out here no we met there See, Chicago. I didn't think you would remember. Yeah, this is 2004. I was on my first team, Fox Force 5. Uh, I, I must have been visiting. I you were. You were busy. You were doing the summer intensive. Oh, okay. And we couldn't find a coach. All right, the mask good now. Your mask good? Oh, Keep okay. Going. Okay, good. Okay, so I'm there. Uh, I'm performing. I'm doing shows. I feel like I've hit a ceiling, and I want to go to L.A. My wife said, not unless we're married, so we got engaged. And then in 2007, I got married, and a month later, I moved to L.A. All right. Uh... Who are your, uh, cause you arrived in LA pretty formed. 
yes. I would say. Uh, who would you say your major influences are improv- improvisationally? Uh, I used to run the bar at IO Chicago, and I would work the bar. The bar. What was your major influence? <laughs> predominantly. It was, it was one of mine. Yeah, it continues to be one of mine. Um, and I would bartend every Wednesday night because that's when TJ and Dave would play. And I would, so for a year, I just would assign myself to work that shift so I could watch right. them play. So I do think it's pretty common, uh, TJ and Dave being them, uh, the guy, uh, everybody on Foursquare, so John Lutz, Peter Gross, who else was on that? Is Back at All on that? Yeah. Um, those guys were amazing. Rush Howell had a big impact on me. Um, th- yeah, those those players. All right. What, what was the, because did you... Do the training center? At, at I did. I, well, uh, it, it was a little different back then. Sharna was my level one teacher. And my second day of class, second class, she's like, I want to put you on a team. Um, so I started right away. I'd never even done a Herald. She threw me up there. So I never finished the training center. Um, I went to level five. I never had Noah. Um, right. But she never... There wasn't a lot of oversight. So it was like a, yeah, you keep going if you want. But uh, I, I never finished. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, so how did you get so good as an improviser? Uh, my second team was Bullet Lounge, which was me, um, Steve Waltine, Seth Whiteberg, TJ Miller, uh, Rich Prouty, Thomas Middleditch. It was a lot of really, like, we we're all, like, dudes in our early, mid-20s who really loved comedy. We were into comedy, and we rehearsed a lot. And we we did well, and the Sharn was like, we're going to put you up both Friday and Saturday night. So I used to do every Friday, every Saturday at 9 o'clock. And those reps just constantly performing and constantly right. being coached. And con- everybody wanted to get really good at it. And we all wanted, I don't know if all of us, but I wanted to do Armando so badly. So I just kept doing it and doing it, and then Noah would get drunk and like say I was bad at the bar. Uh, and I was like, okay, I want to try to not have that happen. So, you know, kind of being prodded into doing it. And then finally, uh, or like in, uh, the end of 2006, early 2007. Now, mind you, I had done so many hours of stage time in Boston, which you cannot, I did shows four nights a week. I would do a total of six shows. So just that sheer amount of stage time, you cannot replicate without just doing it. So that definitely helped me feel comfortable in front of people. But, um, then starting to do Armando and be terrified in, in, uh, Late 2006, early 2007 also really kind of formed me. All right. It's interesting you talk about all the stage time, but it's also time. Time. I see that just because, you know, I, I mean, I was thought because I, I examined my own stuff uh, and it wasn't the stage time that made me better. The stage time was part of it. Mm-hmm. You need stage time basically to test where you are in your process. Mm-hmm. Uh but to me, it was. I, I look back and I was like, no, it was the time spent with people of like minds, uh, you know, focusing on something, thinking about it, arguing about it, mm-hmm. thinking about it more, and then sort of testing it on stage. Yeah. But you think in, in the course of a week, how many how many hours are you on stage? Yeah. You know, maybe a few if if you're doing it a lot. Well, what about the rest of the week? Yeah. What are you doing? You're thinking about it. And, you know, I, I don't know if it was the same for you, but when I started, I was, I lived walking distance of IO and I was there all the time, all the time watching shows, trying to figure out what worked, trying to figure out what didn't work. Is that a good thing? I don't know. I was, you know, in my mid twenties, it seemed like, uh, yeah. I probably could have had some more life experiences that would have made my work better in a different way, but being surrounded by that art, I'm thankful for because that, that, uh, you cannot recreate that in any other way. You cannot get that unless you're around all these people who are like trying to understand how to make this better or what works, what doesn't work. What could we do with this art form? What are the limits of it? Right. Yeah. Cause, cause I know that you, you never studied, uh, with me. And I remember when I met you in, in Los Angeles, not remembering meeting you in Chicago, uh, you know, you already, you know, played in a way similar to me as far as like you, your, your, your thinking was already, about what I call position. Uh, and to me, it's like, I, I understand that. And I, that comes from what you just described, which is being around a lot of good people who are all focused and trying, uh, like finding a, did you have this? You finally a core group mm-hmm. that you had for a while. And you probably had it at different times. You probably had it in Boston. And then you probably had it again in Chicago for, uh, for a while where it's like, you're all focused. You're all working on something. Uh, Cause we all, wind up like a, like a lot of there are of course a lot of great players none of whom have studied with me <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and to me, I was like, yeah, because they got there the way you just described, which is like a lot of time focused, shared with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everyone can get there that way. Uh, but if I can give credit where credit is due, when you taught that rehearsal that I had, uh, I remember it was classic IO shit that we were doing in the sense it was all like, say yes to this, say yes to this. And our scenes were all uh, made no sense. And you came in and you watched the scene. I think we did too. And you're like, all right, stop. Um, and then you got up and you're like, you say your line to whoever was doing it. And then you played it as like you were just a normal human being asking logical questions to this person. And then you took on that information and you still existed in the scene, but you were just plain straight, which to me, no one had ever said was a fucking option. So I watched it. I'm like, this seems funny and is real in the world. And then uh, you have to find those people in Chicago. There's not many who are like, who realize right. that's the style. Make it l- act like a real human at parts during your scene. I guess is the easiest way to say it. Well, that style really originated in the family. That uh, what what I would call like the modern straight man in long form. Yeah. Was kind of a thing that was originated in, in the family. And based on what you just said, then I take it all back. I built you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, do we have any questions for Brandon? Yes, right there. Um, when you speak about people who influenced you, those are names that um, I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with. Um, can you think of how they influenced you, specific things, or just things in general? Of how- uh, uh, TJ is v- infinitely vulnerable, uh, playful, uh, um, and Dave is cutting and brilliant. So it was seeing these two ideas come together. Lutz is, uh, a lot of these guys, what I loved, you know, Adrian Wenner, uh, Mike Coleman, they were people who were confident and who they are and not afraid to look dumb on stage. And when you're young and you're nervous and you're so worried about how you're perceived, seeing like a grown man be up there and be kind of uh, and allow themselves to both not look self-conscious while they're engaging in this kind of strange thing is it's so wonderfully reassuring. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Anything else out there for Brandon? Right there. Um, you mentioned that before you got seriously into improv, you know, you're thinking of going into neuroscience. Hmm. Uh, how did you know when you were no longer on the neuroscience path? Uh, <laughs> um, shockingly in Boston, I made enough money improvising. It's one of the few theaters that pays you to perform. So I could, but uh, I taught two classes and I would uh, improvise and make enough money. And I thought I can actually do this. I can, this is not like a dream. Now it becomes a, a viable entity. And then I kept pushing off. Well, I'll apply next year. I'll apply next year. And then time got away. And then I'd had to take my uh, MCATs again. And then it just became a, well, I frittered those years away. So I better keep, so I wouldn't know. I don't know if it was a conscious decision or if it was more, I, I fell in love with what I was doing so much that I kind of forgot that that's where I was going. And then when my friends became professors and I realized, oh, that's where I would have been. I thought maybe I should go back. And then, I don't know. I don't want to be in school in my late 30s. Oh, we've taken so many scientists from the community. (laughs) It's just sad. All the diseases that could be cured. I wouldn't have done any of that. If it wasn't for improv. I would have ruined a lot of monkeys' lives in a terrible way. I didn't think neuroscience is really disturbing in the lab. All right, anything else? Ah, right there. Uh, so you said you're into uh, neuroscience and the nature of consciousness. Do you have any thoughts on group mind or group consciousness? Uh, ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and I'm not very good at achieving this, if you're able to put away your ego when you perform and not feel like you have to be the funniest one up there, that people can connect on a level and create something that is bigger than them. And this sounds like the most hippie ish thing I will ever say, because I, um, I, I don't normally speak in those terms. So I would say that my, my thoughts on group mind are there's some human connection in all of our experience that if we're able to strip away your ego, you will, um, be able to achieve those things with other people. It's really, I don't know if this is the city for it. I feel like Chicago supported that in a way that I don't feel like L.A. does, where you are allowed to be more 
this is a showcase town, and I know that's really annoying to hear that said so often. I, I found it a little tougher, at least with less experienced improvisers, to feel like, hey, it's okay if I'm not the funniest. It's okay if, uh, you know, Paradigm is here to see you, not me. Um, it, it, it really devolved. Um, I, I th- do you understand what I'm saying? I think it, I, I was, be- what I'm trying to say is I benefited from being in a town and at a time period in which there were people who were very dedicated to teaching you how to be to forget yourself and to allow whatever you can create with other people to have that be paramount as opposed to you're the best and you're the best. It was necessary to have a team in order to make our work work. I thought you were going to say it. The group mind is just a side effect of forced familiarity. (laughs) I can see that too. You call me on a less cynical night. I might be the lighting. (laughs) All right, let's leave it there. Let's me and Brandon do a set. going to happen is me and Brandon are going to do about 25-30 minutes of long form improvisation for you and all we need to get us started is a suggestion of anything at all. Opposite. What was that? Opposite. Opposite. To be honest, I think you, you're intentionally misinterpreting what I'm saying. I don't think I am. Okay. <laughs> Even now, you're doing it, it's kind of mostly your tone of voice. What I said was, what I said was, I intended to make dinner, and I intended to. Okay, did you? No, no. Because you, because you didn't. I, I understand, I, I know that I didn't, and you know that I didn't. Yes, we all know that you didn't. Okay, so. You're making it seem like I made a conscious choice not to make dinner when all I'm telling you is I ran out of time, okay? I ran out of time. So if we can just move past it, I will make it now. And those things, no, no, because now I'm tired. Okay. Now I'm too tired to eat. You're too tired to eat. I'm too tired to eat. I, let me make you a soup. You're I, grumpy. That's no. Well, I'm I'm not in a good mood. I'll say that because you said you were going to make dinner, and now you tell me, well, you intended to make dinner, but you ran out of time. I did. See, but there was all kinds of time today. There was the same amount of time today that there is in every day. <laughs> <laughs> except, except you ran out of it. to all of the earthly time. I meant like I fucked up my schedule. That's all I meant. Oh, the, oh so there we So you fucked up your schedule? Yes. yes. As a way of screwing me over. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that next leap is where we're having the issue. Trust me, don't try to interpret what I'm saying. Just listen to the words. I ran out of time. Uh, again, there's... there's <laughs> oh, okay. I'm making an omelet. I'm going to enjoy an omelet. Enjoy an omelet. I'm going to go to bed. Oh. I'm going to pull down the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I plan on, on changing the sheets. I'm sure you intended. I intended to change ah, the sheets. To make the bed. Catherine, I ran out of motherfucking time. I didn't get to change the sheets, okay? Can you just sit on the couch and I'll take care of this? I'm too tired to sit on the couch. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm gonna throw it up in the air. Just call it and I'll throw it up in the air. You think I can purposefully look a of, certain amount of ways? I don't know what kind of goddamn warlock you are. <laughs> <laughs> You're a warlock, aren't you? Alright, you got me a warlock. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well then I, I I guess game's over. <laughs> Game's over. <laughs> I just need a quarter. I just need a quarter. I know. Classic warlock move, easy quarter. I know this power play. But we're still going to get in there, and we're going to share that woman. But we're going to figure out who goes first in a different way. Right. Look, i got to be honest. Yeah. I don't like fucking human women. All right, I came in here when I could get you to gamble for yourself. Alright? Well, thank you. Alright, so you, you in? You, you up for that? Yeah, I got about 20 minutes before I gotta get home. Okay. <laughs> Alright, we're gambling for your, your eternal soul. No, I get what we're doing. You don't walk into a casino and you go, I wanna play blackjack, and they're like, let me tell you the rules. I'm a fucking blackjack, okay? We're just gambling for my soul. Alright. Oh. <laughs> I would have given you another quarter. <laughs> Why? I always got one. <laughs> Heads or tails? Heads, I get your eternal soul. Okay. Tails, you I don't. don't. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Can we spice up the bed a little bit? What do you mean? It's a great bed for me. It's a great bed for me. I understand it's really stacked in the house's favor. How about tails? You don't get my soul. And I. Let me be honest. Is that your Nissan Altima outside? <laughs> it, it's a it's a rental. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Even better. Even better. Tails. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to rent a uh, midsize. You know, midsize. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, what do we have here? Um, you have one. Um. Give me the keys. Uh, I don't. Why is this a thing that I want to do right now? Henry, Henry! No, he's a warlock. Stop <laughs> looking at him. We had this conversation. Stop looking at him. No! I am not. No! No! <laughs> you need to provide a credit card. Put your hand down. I need a credit card. That's a hell of a thing to have to go through to get a car. Sorry you had to do that. Doesn't mean I don't want it. All right. Now, back to my bet. So heads, I get your tail. Heads, I get your soul. Yeah. The tail, I don't. Tails, I get your ultima. You get what? Your ultima. <laughs> All right, it's a rental. Yeah, I know what it was. All right. Come on, tails. Come on. Can I ask a quick question? What? How do you extract my soul? <laughs> what are you doing? Get in, get in the house. Get in the house. What are you do? What are you doing? What were you doing out in the garage? You weren't. What are you storing out in the garage? Don't you mind your own business? Oh God damn it! Don't do the warlock shit on me. What do you got out in the garage? <laughs> it doesn't work on me. I got nothing. I got whatever. I got it's warlock stuff. What is warlock stuff, Dave? I warlock. I need a warlock space. Okay. In this relationship, all right? You don't need a warlock space. We don't have enough room in the house. I gotta park my car. In That's why I'm in the garage. Yes, I understand. What do you got back there? Souls. <laughs> you got a bunch of souls yeah, in the garage. Yeah, a bunch of souls okay. stored in the garage. Right next to the Christmas stuff. <laughs> is that what you got? Next to your beer fridge. No, it's not next to the beer fridge. And I know Christmas is coming. I'll get on it. All Do right. you? Yeah, I know, I know what Christmas is. Okay, because you told me the decorations were going to be up. I intended to put the <laughs> I ran into a guy who was willing to gamble for his soul against a rented Ultima. That guy's a moron. I know, but I got a soul. <laughs> I took it right from where souls exist. And where is that, Dave? Because you can't find any other part of the human body. <laughs> <laughs> Just have to be happy.
happy that I'm in this relationship with you. I do not like having sex with human women, all right? Oh, I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell. My mother thinks you're gay. Uh, what? My mother thinks you are gay. He is he's gay. He is not gay, Mom. Your boyfriend is gay. Mom, he's a warlock. <laughs> oh, oh, please. He's a warlock. Oh, please. Was I born this morning? No, Mom. Was I born in a barn? I don't know. Was I raised by a pair of brown socks? <laughs> Mom, I don't get your analogies. No, you weren't. No, nobody was. Yeah, I'm not stupid. There's no such thing as a warlock, all right? He's a warlock? He's a warlock. Oh, well. Our garage. Look, I understand it sounds insane. His yes. I'm glad you understand that, because well, it does. Well, my entire trunk is full of souls. Okay. Oh, really? I, that's what he says. He says they're invisible. I won't be able to see them with my non-warlock eyes, but I trust him because I can't fit any more than a dozen eggs back there. Has he found your clitoris yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I hate that we're this comfortable with each other. Well, we are this com I'm this comfortable with you. Yeah, and you forced it onto me. Your father... Oh, please! ...absolutely knows where my clitoris is. Oh, stop. What? What's that, honey? You need me to get in there and take a little dangle? I'm going to get no, in there? No, no, no. <laughs> Before 1900, did it forever. So I guess it's no, they didn't do it forever. They died. <laughs> no, we all died. We yes, all... but they died sooner than they should have because their clitorises weren't. Oh, you have no proof for that. I'm only I'm only 27 years old. <laughs> no man has found my clitoris yet. Yeah, this is the one I was talking about. 27, you say? Yes, I'm 27. I've, and a bunch of men have gone in to find it. Yes, no, <laughs> They said you're the best. Yeah, I know where they are. They? Oh, no, I've given away my secret. What? <laughs> you just referred to my clitoris in the plural. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know. I, uh... You don't know where my clitoris is. No, I do, I do. I know where all clitoris are. It's a thing. I know how to do it. I know how to do it. Ah! No, 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 sit, 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 you've come to the best, and I would not disappoint you. Uh, give me, uh, let's play a game, okay? We're going to play hot cold. Hot cold? Okay. Oh, no, you'll never find my kidders. You're starting, you're starting across the room. Okay, so cold. It's gross. He should watch a video or read a book or like fucking. So you want to find the clitoris? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> no, you've come to the right place. This is Doctor Quinn. Are you actually talking to me? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a streaming channel of people looking to find clitorises. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, well. Uh, as you see, uh, on this drawing next to me, All right. uh, can you identify uh, the woman? Yeah. Okay, oh, very good, very good. We have an A-plus student. We have an A-plus student. All right, thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. Oh, somebody, I'm very proud here. Have a snack. You can feed me through this screen. Yes, I can feed you, yes. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you warlock? <laughs> I'll say it if you say it. Yes, I'm a warlock. I'm a warlock too. <laughs> I'm a warlock. Yeah. All right then, all right. Okay, so you trust me now? Can I tell you something? Can I ask you something? Yeah, tell me where the glitters is. That's no. what I came here for. Okay. How gross is it that we have sex with you in the night? Oh, it's awful. It's the worst thing in the it's world. It's awful. It's the worst thing in the world. Thanks for letting me come over. I'm sorry. I don't have any other warlock friends, but this is really exciting. <laughs> 
I laid out some food. Oh my god, this is great. This is great. So many bugles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I wanna I'm glad you're here too, because I'm sick of I'm sick of looking for it. Yeah. I'm sick of hearing about it. It's all they want. That's why I like dating warlock women. Born with penises. It's so hard to find a warlock woman. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, something just occurred to me. Warlock women have penises. <laughs> of course they do, the warlock women. We have penises. Of course we do, we're warlock men. <laughs> See? What did I tell you about your husband? What did I tell you about him? Warlock men have penises, warlock women have penises, your husband is a warlock, he has sex with warlock women, ergo. Er, look, he'll find it, all right? He'll find it. <laughs> I know he'll find it. Baby, I know this is disturbing. I know it is. I'm gonna have your father come in here, and he's gonna find mine, and you're going to watch, and you're going to. <laughs> I, do not, I do not want to see that. I do not want to see yeah, that. I know you don't want to, but look, I didn't want to watch Saving Private Ryan, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> you're still looking for him. Oh, God. It's one man. Why is he losing so many lives to save one man? Because his whole family died except for that one kid. I get it. They're oh. gonna get him. Oh. Are you having a hard time watching it? Yeah, I'm just so tense. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear the rest no. of that. Oh my God, we watch that movie every anniversary. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, I, I wish they would never find it. We're, we're gay, man. We're gay. What do you mean we're gay? Warlocks are gay. Don't you get it? We like dick. Warlock, warlocks are all dudes mainly. <laughs> See, I know. Yeah, what? That's what's great about it. We don't have to have any of those the other parts around. It's just the parts we like to play with. <laughs> this is so free. Right? I know. It's good to feel this way. Yeah. So let's. Uh, wait a minute. Why am I not? Why, why am I not attracted to you? Because you're a straight warlock. <laughs> Do not a warlock yeah. woman is the only difference is we call it a woman. Yeah, I know. Well, we're all identical. We all have the same physiology. Yeah, same. Some are called women. And yeah. Some are called men. Yes. Yeah. That is fucked up. Our species is fucked up. It's it worked forever. I mean, what what species is just longer than warlocks? Like a, like a female warlock. 
can go somewhere else. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. You're a warlock, aren't you? Uh, I'll say it if you'll say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a warlock. I'm a warlock. <laughs> and you, uh, you got a thing for a male warlock. I do, but I don't want to be a gay warlock because... You're going to dress up like a female warlock to trick him. Yeah, I get it. It's like a rom-com, but I can do does it. That, does that feel right to you? Does that feel like the right thing to do? <laughs> like morally? Yeah, you're going to trick a male warlock into having sex with you. And actually, all you have to do to dress up like a female warlock is just write female on yeah. Because there's no difference physically. <laughs> Where were you three hours ago when I started the drive to get here? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. I was here. Okay. Time right. exists the same everywhere. It, that's not true. I don't know if it exists the same everywhere. But it, it does. I think Einstein proved exactly the opposite. All right, we're closed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I didn't change the sheets, and I'm, I'm sorry that I, uh, that I'm, I'm very hungry. All right, I've regained the strength to eat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do want my omelet. Were you really making that for yourself? Yeah, of course, I said, do I need to replay what happened? You said, I'm too tired, I'm too tired to eat, and I said, well, I have to eat. You pulled down the Murphy bed, you were mad about the sheets, then I made my omelet. So now you can have it, but that means I, I don't want to fight with you. All we're doing is fighting. No, I don't want to eat your omelet. Okay, well. So that, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't, where's your name on it? Nobody writes a name on an omelet yet. <laughs> Nobody writes a name on an omelet. Your name's not. Okay. Well, it's good. Your omelet. Well, okay. Okay, look. Kevin's omelet. Oh. You named the omelet after me. <laughs> you said, it said, you just wrote Kevin the omelet. <laughs> you named the omelet my name. Wow, so now I, I, I guess you're saying I should eat myself. <laughs> you know what you're saying? Yeah, it is a nightmare dating both a logician who happens to be a theoretical physicist. <laughs> For some reason, it's so goddamn good with syntax. <laughs> I'm not hungry anymore. I'm not hungry. Oh, well, then I'll eat this. Okay. <laughs> okay you I don't want to take something from you if you're hungry. I'm I don't want to do that. I'm not. I'm going to bed. Really? I'm While I'm eating? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat alone? Yes. Fine. I'm going to eat alone? What would make you happy right now? Oh, I am so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> what would make me happy is when I got home, the dinner that I was promised in the morning was made and prepared for me. Well, I can't turn back time. So what? No, you can't. No, no one can. Well, you don't know that, but I'll accept it. <laughs> I feel like the burden on proof is on you to show me how anyone could turn back time. Wow. I am so glad you asked that. Why did I, I have been working on <laughs> I hope you're, don't, you don't mind sleeping ever. Because <laughs> this is going to take a while. Great, great. And that is how it's done. And now my omelet's cold. Of course the omelet's cold. That was 16 straight hours of you doing higher communicatory mathematics. <laughs> I know I lost you in the first hour. You, of course. The rest was just bullshit. <laughs> it was, I was bullshitting. I was making up terms, saying nonsense. Why do you love me? Because you do such a good job taking care of me. Except for today.
Well, I guess I'll um, consider this a lesson learned. I have to. Why would you say I hate saying this and then say the thing you hate? Because my therapist told me I have to push through that part. Yes. <laughs> yes. You must. You must say the things you do not like to say. <laughs> That's what you should do. Always. When you find something you hate to say, say that thing. Because otherwise you are trapped in the things you only like to say. But, but this will make you better. I've had difficult things to say. Yes. Find the generous. <laughs> I wish you had died with your brothers during the war. <laughs> I wish during the war that they never went to find you. I wish that you, like your four other brothers, had died. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. They, they changed the movie. <laughs> movie should have ended already. <laughs> no, I like this. No, there's more now and it's fucked up. What do you mean? They never find it. Try to try Ryan gay. <laughs> kind of a dick about it too. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. He's and he's like he's super smart and he's kind of a jag and he's and he's gay. I don't why why did they have this director's cut is fucked. <laughs> I hate this movie now. Why? This is the version that he wanted. Who, the, who wanted? The director. No, I, no this, is, this doesn't make any fucking sense. This scene's been going on for like 10 minutes about <laughs> breakfast or dinner or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. He was in the war. He got saved. Where are his parents? Where's the other people who, who loved him? That's who were happy to have him back. That's why I love this cut. It, Worst part about movies is like you don't know what happens after. You assume like he gets back to America and his life is great. It's not. He gets into this marriage. He becomes a prick. Then all of a sudden, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I fell asleep. Sorry. Are, 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 are we moving on soon? Yeah, we are. All right. I heard all my brothers are gone. Yeah, we weren't supposed to tell you that. Yeah. I heard. Okay, sorry. <laughs> we got you. You should probably kill me before I get back to the States. <laughs> Why? I lost so many men. I just had a premonition about what my life's going to become. It's a goddamn dream. I'm not killing you because you had to die. All right, now they're back in the war. <laughs> that was just a dream. <laughs> I hate Why did you ruin the reality of why I finally got into the fucking movie? Uh, it was all just a dream. Yeah, I hate that. What a cheap, it contrived was... method of filmmaking. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> wake up, wake up. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I was, I was having a, oh, I had a terrible dream that I was back in the war. What happened? I was back in the war and saying I didn't want to come home because I knew what my life would become. It was terrible. Oh, fuck! <laughs> yes! Back to reality! There you go! That's it! He's having a shitty dream next to his wife. She's pissed. This is genius! Yeah. Oh, I want to see just the mundane nature of their everyday life. That's why he lived. That he... <laughs> That's why you shouldn't save someone who's about to die. That's why I think you should unplug everybody in the hospital. I have always said that. <laughs> I'm going to shut you up. Ah, <laughs> uh, 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 u
wake up. Oh my God, I had a crazy dream. You and I were warlocks. That was the extent of it. <laughs> oh God. Oh, pack your stuff, we gotta get out. We gotta get out of France. You seem upset. Uh, no, let, let, let's get out of France. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think we found you? What do you think you were fighting, Ryan? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Warlocks? <laughs> I should have died in the war. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm Brian Ryan. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're, we're watching your documentary. What? <laughs> That's our show!